Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. Now, where to begin? Ah, yes, concerning fablings. For as long as time, fablings have, much to their delight, been ignored by the harsher world. Perhaps due to their small frames, their round bellies, or maybe since they have a reputation for being, well, simple. As the world around them bickers and barks, fablings are quite content going about their days. Farming, mining, fishing, and laughing. Actually, the only thing I've ever seen a fabling fuss about is what their home and its surroundings look like. Fablings really only care about three things in life. A place to call home, food, and love. Ah, love. An elusive magic. And one of the few things fablings are willing to fight for. Oh, you wouldn't think it looking at them, but there are quite a few stories of fabling bravery. But that's a story for another time. This is episode 438 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I interview Mac Nielsen of Grenell Games and ask them about the design and development of their fairy tale inspired city builder, Fabledom. Usually, city builders are all about stress, all about building anxiety on part of the player so they're spinning lots of different plates, making sure none of them smash to the ground, destroying the city they're making and seeing it raised to the ground before them. This is the very thing that happened to me in SimCity 2000, almost over 20 years ago now. I still remember it to this day, when I inadvertently built a fire station at the end of a runway, and the airport and the plane smashed straight into said fire station, causing half the city to burn down because there was no one to fight the fire, because the plane had smashed into the firefighting station. I still remember that after all these years. Fabledom doesn't have things like that happen. It's all about nice and, well, it's a fairy tale inspired game. So that's why it's kind of calming and serene. That's the best word I can describe this game, serene. I first encountered it at PAX East 2023 and uh, I really got Well, basically, so drawn in, I almost missed my next appointment for the day. So, let's listen to me talk to Max about the design and development of this extraordinary game that is Fabledom. Hello, Max. Hello, Chris. Could you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, My name is Max Nelson. I am from Sweden. I am the owner of Grana Games, and we are currently making the game called Fabledom that is releasing next week. It is on early access, exciting times. Early access, yeah. At the time of recording. So it'll be out there for a little bit because we've got a bit of a backlog on this show, but that's fine. Time is relative and all that nonsense. Yes. So, Max, could you tell us, how did you make your start making video games? Um, I'll try to keep it somewhat short. Um I have a uh, bachelor's in computer science. That's when I got into coding. Um, And throughout my bachelor's, I had 
some other classmates that um, we like to to work on some stuff on our free time. So we made some some very simple, silly games in one of the tools they gave us there to learn coding. And that was kind of the the thing that ignited my interest, I guess, because I've I've always played video games. That's always been my my main hobby in life. Um, and then after I got my bachelor's, I considered doing uh, some sort of game dev university, but decided to play it a bit safe, I guess, and went into, uh, I got a master's in IT management. Um, and then I got a normal boring job um, at Microsoft uh, working uh, for two years. And I figured I'm at Microsoft, uh, it's like the best job I'm ever gonna get in this field and I'm still not really happy. So uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, so I spent more and more time on evenings and weekends just working on my games, uh, zero free time. It's, you know, it's sort of one of the sacrifices you have to make, I guess. Um, and then eventually I felt comfortable enough to start working on a title that I could pitch to publishers, which was uh, Fabledom. So this is your first title then? Exciting. My first official, yeah. Official yeah. title. I'm sure yeah. there's been dozens, maybe, of yes. games that you've uh, <laughs> prototyped and went, that's fun, in order to actually get to this stage. So exactly. that's the nature of things. Good. <laughs> Next question, then. As a creator, you can answer this on behalf of uh, Greener Games or, or just yourself. What do you believe are your biggest influences? Oof. Um, I think it would depend on the game I'm working on, uh, if that's okay. Uh, so for Fabledom, our influences are uh, from movies mainly, actually not from video games. So uh, we, or I, when I started, uh, I'm a huge fan of Disney and Pixar, especially the Shrek movies, and now lately Encanto and Luca and a, a couple of other ones. Um, and I just, I, I never found a game that gave me the feeling I got when I watched one of those movies. Kind of silly, warm, fussy feeling. Um, just like fun for both kids and adults, kind of. Um, and that's that's the tone I wanted for my game and the tone I try to set um, when I'm working on it still. Um, as for the, the video games that influence us, I should say, um, we, I take a lot of inspiration from the, the games I played when I was younger. So stuff like, uh, Settlers 2 is a big one. Um, that specific iteration. Um, and then more recently, maybe, uh, Foundation is a great game. Kingdoms and Castles is a great game. Also pretty chill to play. I think that's, that's mainly it. Um, in general, we don't look much at other games more at just the feeling we want to create. Right. So you're inspired and indeed triggered by how your medium or how your games are emotion, uh, trigger certain emotions in people. Is that yes. fair to say? Yes, that's a better description. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Now, it's a tricky one to answer that question, the dreaded question three. And you did a fantastic job. So well done, Max. Next question, next question. What video game developer do you admire most and why? Oh, goodness. 
So it could be a person um, or a studio, and you can do more than one. Don't worry, I'm, you know, but just a. I think, growing up, um, the games I played the most were Nintendo, and that's still I still love Nintendo games. Still play them, and I look forward to the new Zelda game. Like uh, <laughs> it's one of the the titles I look forward to the most at the moment. Um, but if I were to think more. In smaller terms, maybe. Um, I think one, I think solo developers in general are very inspiring. Um, the one to two people studios, I guess, because that's what I'm going through, so I relate to it. But I know the kind of sacrifice and, and effort that goes into um, being a one or two man studio and how you kind of give up, you know, your, your evenings and your weekends and your vacations for a few years. Um, so someone like Concerned Ape that made uh, Stardew Valley, someone I think is a really good example of, I don't know, just um, I think he's handled everything really well. And I think the game he made was incredible and uh, yeah, someone to look up to. That's a game that the more we put in, it gives back 10 times. Yes. That's hard. That's it's hard. a wonderful game. That's why it's still going strong, rightly it's so. It's actually yes. It's my I, I got my wife into playing video games somewhat recently, um, but we can never play the same video games because uh, I mean I played all my life and she's still very new. Uh, but one of the games, I think the only game. No, wait, there are two games that we both enjoyed. One is Stardew Valley, and the other one is Slay the Spire. Those those two games are for me almost perfect games. Uh, and they're both by one or two people. They are indeed. And Slater Spire has been on the show. So, yes, uh, a, a much favoured title in these in these parts. Yes. So, last question then, for the first yeah. half anyway. I know, rattles too little fast, but uh, we're going to get to the meat of the show here when we talk about <laughs> Fabledom. So we've got we to, you know, plough on through. What are you playing right now, Max? Unfortunately, not very much. Uh, I think since I started working full-time on this game, I find that anytime I have time left over to play a video game, I would rather spend that working on my game. Uh, I think that's more fun. Uh, at the moment, at least, it's still fun. Um, I'm even having fun testing it still, uh, doing the sort of like the balancing and stuff now in, in, in preparation for uh, release, which I think is a great sign because obviously I've played it for, for thousands of hours at this point. Um, Do you so, plan to play anything after it's done? Because there will be a time when it's finished. I mean, nothing's ever finished in the realms of creative media. I get that. But you're going to have to say it one day, I'm afraid, Max. It's it's done. Fabledom will be finished. Yes. <laughs> so do you have any plans? Because that's a common thread we have when I issue this question to other guests I just asked them, well, if they're not playing anything really right now, what are they planning to? Uh, I'm planning to play, even if uh, even during development, I'm planning to play the new Zelda game, uh, for sure, 100%. Um, other than that, I, I have no plans right now. I think one thing, since I'm moving around a lot, I try to just uh, play the games my friends enjoy because it's my, my form of social socialization with 
my friends at this point um, because no one lives, nobody lives close to each other anymore. Um, so those are the games uh, I, I tend to play and I plan to play uh, whenever I find the time. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I played a lot of board games during the pandemic online with because of that reason. So mm. I can certainly relate to that. Okay, well, um, that's uh, that's the first half dealt with. Here it is. We move on. Well done. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Fabledom. First question, more like a request, really. Could you tell us, Max, what is Fabledon? Oh, the elevator pitch, huh? Um, kind of. You don't have to, but yeah. <laughs> Fabledon is a um, city builder set in a fairy tale world where your end goal is to find love and live happily ever after. It is a um, city builder that doesn't take itself very seriously. It uh, has some humor, it's relaxed, it's casual, um, but there's still some depth there for, for people that are more experienced in the genre as well with uh, diplomacy and the trading with the other kingdoms. And eventually you can uh, wage wars and such if you want to, but there's never gonna be a situation where you are forced into combat or anything like that. It's always going to be your choice, pretty much. Um, and that's that's the short pitch. There's, we're going to get into more details, everyone. But yes, that's a pretty good summary um, of you trying to create a kingdom from nothing because your parents have sent you out to... To, to do that very thing, to make a grand new kingdom and settlement and expand from it. 
and there's lots of conceits in there and you know like there's no one else you encounter really but maybe spoilers um but generally speaking (laughs) it's um you do expand out and then eventually you start interacting with other kingdoms so yes and that's a very important part of the game very important in fact it kicks off very early when you get a letter from your secret admirer and go oh hello like Sorry, who are you? And it's all sort of a little drip feed. And that's the best way I can describe Fabledom is drip feeding in a good way. Mm. So my first question then, and we talked about it a little bit in the virtual green room really, but um, let's just delve into it now. There is a sense of serenity to, that pervades Fabledom. Yes. It's very calming it is not anchored around stress, which is what most city builders are. They, they, their main trigger is for you to be stressed out over trying to spin many, many plates. Fabledom's right. not about that, which is unique in this genre. How do you encourage that atmosphere while still granting the player a sense of challenge as they progress. What do you do to both have no, you know, a, a, a low stress experience while still presenting challenges to the player? What do you do? Well, first of all, I think one of the main things um, that help us create that feeling is the pacing we set. It's not very quick. Um, but there's still always a sense that there's something to do. Uh, and that's a pretty tricky balance to strike. And I'm still working on it for the actual early access release as we speak. Um, I think we tend to not, uh, have any really severe consequences to your actions. So even if everything goes really, really wrong, you have a chance to recover. And I think just the setting of the game with the music and the sound design and the visuals uh, paired with the kind of slow pace and the narrator talking to you and these little letters from other rulers and little things to explore on the map since it's procedurally generated. It's, uh, it all just adds to this um, tone and feeling that we want to convey which is just um it's definitely calming um yeah it's definitely a relaxing kind of experience it's um it, it is it is not something that uh raises one's anxiety you want to not have that it's not anchored around the player increasing their anxiety the larger their city becomes or their settlement becomes no this is no. not this is not factoria no, <laughs> and Spectorio is a really fun game, but uh, this is this is a different type of game. This is the type of game that if you work um, a full day and you have a stressful day, you can still come home and kind of look forward to playing this game, which I find it hard with uh, games like maybe Spectorio or Banished or the ones that uh, really require you to focus on what's going on or you will fail um, soon. <laughs> um, Indeed. And, and I think that's the kind of the, the audience that we want to, to target, um, people that just want to have a, 
a calming, relaxing, good time. <laughs> the interactions with neighbouring kingdoms in Fabledom is quite unique. And it creates a form of a macro environment, a world. Your kingdom is set within the context of other kingdoms around it. Yeah. How did this come about? Well, when I started, I, I knew I wanted some sort of, of interaction between uh, rulers. Um, and the first iteration we had out of that was just the kind of default civilization diplomacy where you uh, you can trade and you can start a war and you can send some spies. And um, we added another feature where you can start missions and such with the other rulers. Um, but uh, it didn't really fit after a while. We felt it was a bit too, I don't know how to explain it. It just didn't fit the tone we wanted for the game. It felt too serious. So a writer that we've been using on and off called or named Dave Kosak um, had the idea actually for instead of, you know, having this standard uh, defeat all kingdoms or ally all kingdoms kind of winning condition. How about we do something that fits the narrative, uh, which would then be to find true love and to get married, which is very fitting for the fairy tale story we want to tell. And yeah, once he said that, it just felt like that's the obvious decision. And uh, never really looked back. Uh, it's just it fits really well with all the the gameplay, and it allows us to create. We have designs for eight different rulers, each with their own personalities and quests and rewards. Um, and each of them are going to challenge you to play the game in a different type of way, with focus on different types of things, um, which is perfect for replayability and just different play styles. Uh, yeah, I just think it was. It was a really, really good idea by Dave. So shout out to Dave. Well done. No, no, I just, it was such a interesting aspect of Fabledom that I just had to find out how it came to be. So, uh, yeah, just that moment of inspiration. Good stuff. Yeah. The interface, the user interface in Fabledom is one of the most intuitive I've ever encountered in a city builder. I want to ask how and what tools did you use to achieve this? Because that is no mean feat. So what did you do to keep the player so informed and in such a gradual way? Because that must have been really hard. <laughs> it's really, it really makes me very happy that you say that because I – I do all the UI and all the UX, but I am far from a UI or UX designer. So it's been a very <laughs> difficult journey. And I think the UI has been through like eight different iterations with each their own visuals um, before I realized I can't make things pretty. So I'm just going to go for this kind of uh, clean um, black faded look. And I think it suits the game really well. Um, but I think that's also uh, attributed to the the UI being clear and readable, 
because I never try to, uh, because I know my limitations, I never tr try to, to really make anything too fancy. I just make sure it's super readable, super clear what's going on. Um, and once we had that, the biggest kind of um, help I got was from the playtests before the demo, uh, where I could watch players um, test the game and I could see pretty clearly where they were uh, not understanding what was going on. I think the first place test we had, it took the guy like an hour and a half to, to get to like uh, 10 population or something because he just couldn't figure things out. That was really painful to watch. Um, so so playtesting is a huge factor. And then I think just trying to, to focus on clarity over visuals and um, I think thinking like players as well. My wife, for example, has played the game a lot and she is completely new to gaming. So uh, it's kind of my baseline. If she understands it, then I know everyone will understand it. And that's been very helpful. So yeah, that, there it is, everyone. It says playtesting and actually trying to empathize with the player, try to relate to their experience. Make, yes. Take a step back and go, is this intuitive or did, or did I just think, well, of course, it's obvious. Why? How else How else can you do it? When you go down that path, it's difficult. Okay. So that's the last question. Here we go. All right. right. There are layers of dependencies. Now, I say dependencies, it's a very technical term. It means things that rely on other things in order to function. Fabledom has this. It's not too layered although it can be in later stages. And there are times when you want to build, for example, a messenger building, but it needs a needs planks of wood. So you need a sawmill to do that first. And what have you done, for example, in that instance? It's a very good example because it happens quite early in the game. What have you done to make sure, and it's a kind of extension to the previous question, but to make sure that the player is aware that this dependency exists. Not just specifically that one, but all of them. Because sometimes you have, you know, um, raw materials, and raw materials need to be refined, they need to be processed and then put into... There's, there's some element of that. How have you found making sure that the, the player is suitably educated or informed when it gets to that point in Fabledon where they actually now have layers upon layers of things to manage without getting stress i hasten to add yeah <laughs> um i think since we have some time i'll i can go through uh, the answer for for um how we keep everything clear in that manner um one of the things i dislike the most about these types of games that uh, make me just stop playing them within the first five or ten minutes is when they start the game by showing me their book of things I need to learn to understand the game. And I have to read through all these pages and pages of things just to get started. And I just want to relax. Um, so it was very important to me that at no point during this game do you need to stop and read a bunch of text to understand what is going on. And the way we do that is a mix of 
quests. So every time something new is introduced, a quest will ask you to use that feature in some way. Um, we have the narrator who also helps out whenever something unexpected happens or whenever you maybe need a little reminder of something. Um, we have uh, events that are triggered only in certain cases where, for example, say you're struggling through the first winter and maybe you didn't really understand that you needed uh, a certain amount of food for the winter because you didn't understand that the crops were going to die during winter. So you, you, you reach this threshold that we've set um, where you get an event with a secret Santa gift, for example, where you get a hundred food and and then you kind of realize for next winter you you kind of learned now what you need to do but you're not punished for for not fully understanding what you needed to do for the first winter um and when it comes to the specific scenario you described with planks for a sawmill for example and then to make planks you need wood um i think the the important thing is to keep the production chain super simple. So we're never gonna go deeper than three. So um, our deepest production chain would be wheat to flour and then flour to bread. Right? It's never gonna get harder than that in our game. Um, so when you need to build the messenger guild, you have uh, part of that, that quest that asks you to build a messenger guild also asks you to produce 10 planks, but it doesn't tell you to build a sawmill and it doesn't tell you um, how to get there uh, or that you need 10 planks for the messenger scale. It just it tells you to produce 10 planks and then we found that players usually, that's enough for them to, to figure the rest out themselves. So just try to hint as much as possible without telling the player what to do um, because most players are pretty smart and they can they can figure it out on them by themselves, but they, they need that little don't take for granted that players know how things work in your game. Um, you want you want players that never played this genre before to understand that planks need to be produced by something else, even though it's super obvious for us because we played those games before. Um, but if, if you've never played this genre before, then uh, maybe you you go looking for somewhere to gather planks. I don't know. There's just it's not it's just not obvious to everyone um so yeah drop little hints uh try not to handhold too much and then just play test them and see how people react and iterate until it's it's understandable and that's what i'm getting from fabledom this <clears throat> sense of iteration this sense of gentle um learning from mistakes learning from successes as well just learning from outcomes and just okay, that works. That doesn't work. This kind of works, but we can tweak it. And that's the outcome has been Fabledom, and I'm just so delighted. It generally was one of my favourite games from PAX East 2023, and I'm so happy to have Max on to chat about how it was made because I was just standing there in a loud booth in the middle of Boston, <laughs> surrounded by a, a lot of very loud people trying to get my head. And I, I lost myself. I almost missed my next appointment because of that game. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Cheers. Um, so Fabledom is developed by, now, is it Grenar Games? Is that right? That's correct, yeah. 
Can you tell us where the name of the studio comes from? Yeah, um, I uh, I named the studio Game Heart Studio first, and the more I sat with that name, the less I liked it. Uh, it felt very generic, um, and I started thinking about what I could do instead. And my wife suggested I make it personal, so uh, my full name is Max. Frederick Grena Nielsen. Uh, Grena is my mother's family name. And she suggested I, I name it Grena Games. And I thought that was that was pretty cool and pretty unique. Um, most people can say it. Yeah, I, 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 I quite like it. It's fantastic. I just love asking that question of our guests where their studios come from. It's, it's a variety of inspirations. So thanks for sharing that. So yes, Fabledom is made by Grenard Games and published by Dear Villagers. Yes. And could you tell us what platforms, inverted commas, forms, plural, uh, 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 Fabledom is available on? Yes. Um, for the early access, there will only be one platform, and that's uh, the PC. Right, right. And uh, potentially maybe in the future, but who knows? That's all in the far-flung future. <laughs> we, uh, we, I can say that we plan to port it. Uh, I don't even know, even know if you call that porting, but we, we plan to support uh, Linux and, and uh, iOS as well. Oh, nice. Nice. Console is a completely um, different story, but I've been, I've been running it on my Steam Deck, and it works, but it's not a great experience. It's not really... Um, it's worked because it has those little touchpads uh, on the Steam Decks. Um, but if it was just a, a pure controller, it wouldn't. I don't know. I've never played a city builder on a controller that I thought felt good. So we'll see. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, making it on Linux and then make it even better on on the Steam Deck potentially. Yeah, because uh, yeah. otherwise it's sort of kind of emulating a Windows platform, isn't it? But nonetheless, techie stuff. Max, it's been fantastic having you on the show. It generally has. And I uh, really, really enjoyed listening to you talk about the gentle creation of Fabledom because I like to think it's been, you know, <laughs> at times, you know, you've infused your your uh, your demeanour into the game itself, and that's great. Um, now, you're more than welcome to come back to talk about what next is brewing in your head uh, because we've had a lot of return guests over the years. But oh. until then, thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. This is my uh, this is my first podcast, so I I don't think I I gave the best answers. Maybe it's uh, kind of a I think speaking eloquently about your game is a skill um, that I have to uh, learn over time. But it was it was fun. You did great. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, caneandrinse.com.